The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Well, thank you. Yeah, this is a very familiar passage in Resonate, and on the mission innovation team that I work on, we often dwell in this passage. Uh, One of the things I'm thankful for with you holding my credentials is that I've been able to attend New Hope Church for the last, oh, 10 years plus, and that has been a tremendous blessing for myself and my family. So I just want to say again, thank you for that. Uh, And another thing that's allowed me to do is become involved with Willowdale Christian Forum Church in Toronto. And you may have heard about Willowdale. Um, They've had about 150 Iranians come to their church in the last few years, you know, over time. It's about 150 altogether. Around 120 baptisms have happened at Willowdale among the Farsi-speaking community. So it's been quite an experience for me to be involved with that community. And uh, this sermon this morning, a version of it, I preached at the commissioning service for their Iranian leaders in that fellowship. Nasser Zand and Sylvie Charlie Karam. And uh, when I preached it at Willowdale a couple months ago, I uh, preached the whole sermon. I sat down with my wife, Nellie, and she noticed that I was still wearing my mask. I had preached the whole sermon. I forgot that I was still wearing my mask. So I thought, oh, this pandemic has lasted too long. I'm very thankful that I can be here with you this morning, and for the most part, a mask isn't necessary. But this was a special service, this commissioning service uh, for uh, Nasser and Sylvie, because we were commissioning them as international partner missionaries with Resonate, which is interesting because they're based in Toronto, but they're still international missionaries because their network to the Persian community is global. And they have connections with people in Belarus, in Turkey, um, just all over the world. And that made me realize that they are a good example of the shift. It's like a kairos moment, if you're familiar with that term. God is doing something in the world of missions today, and it's a pretty big shift. So it's really important that we track with what God is doing as congregations so that we're aware of it, because not everyone is. We all know that the world is changing quickly. Sometimes it's changing so quickly we can hardly keep up. That's one of the reasons why we have a mission innovation team in Resonate that I work with. Now, we know that there's been examples of ministry like this. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Frieswick, but he's been working with the Somali community in Etobicoke for years now. In fact, I saw Steve recently, and he's now 70, which is amazing, and he really wants to retire. He has a wonderful ministry with Somalis. He's looking for somebody to take over his ministry, but he hasn't found anybody yet. So that's something we're still praying about, a ministry of, um, of like bike repair and tutoring. And it's because there's some really big apartment blocks in Etobicoke that actually it's, everybody there is Somali. It's amazing ministry opportunities that Steve has to minister to the Somali community. And they, have, and they trust him after so many years of working with them. And Nasser and Sylvie among the Persian community are similar in that way in that they also have been working in ministry for many years uh, with their Iranian friends and community. 
And it makes me realize, you know, Jesus says in our passage in Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So that's actually something that I would like to do with you this morning. Let's pray together for a new person to take over the ministry of Steve Rieswick. And let's pray for Sylvia and Nasser as leaders of this Farsi community where there's been 120 baptisms in the last two years. So we know God is answering our prayer, and God is answering that prayer through so many people coming from all over the world. And the term that I've been using uh, more and more is diaspora. Some people say diaspora. Diaspora ministry. That is the new trend that is so exciting. But we also know it's not easy, or Jesus wouldn't have said, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So we have to be wise. We have to be prayerful. We have to be aware, as God's people, of what God is doing in the world today. Alan Roxborough, in his book, Missional, Joining God in the Neighborhood, talks a lot about missional change. And he does that by looking at the Luke-Acts narrative, that continuing er narrative in Luke and Acts, and that Luke chapter 10 is such an important part of that narrative. Because Luke is writing his gospel to a Gentile population that has gone through change, that they are experiencing change at that time. In that later time in the first century, the first generation of believers had passed away. Many who had witnessed the birth of the church and who had provided that early energy to the spread of the gospel were no longer there. And so the church was trying to make sense of what was happening as persecution by the Roman authorities increased. And it was also clear that by this time many of the Jewish people had not embraced this Christian message as they had hoped. So it was a time of change. So Luke wanted to give the church at that time a new message, a new language, a missional language not based on power, not based on domination, but a message based on servanthood on serving their communities with the good news of Jesus wherever they were placed. This is a missional effort grounded in time, grounded in place, grounded in relationships. And we are in a similar time today. So if we are going to keep up with what God is doing, we need a new language for missions. We need a new way of thinking about how we do missions as God's church today. And everything that we're talking about has been accelerated by the pandemic, as we know. And that change is accelerating. It's not slowing down. And leaders like Nasser and Sylvie are helping us to articulate this new language. It's a new language, and we need a new language because the old language is Eurocentric and imperialistic and reminiscent of Christendom, which is based on power. We need a new language today in God's church. And Luke Acts provides us with that new language. 
we can see Luke putting in that change at different intervals in his narrative, like a few come to mind, like Pentecost. That's an example, isn't it? Peter's interaction with Cornelius. Three visions Peter needs to prepare for this change. God continues to bring this boundary-breaking future into reality, but he often does that through disruption. And sometimes we need that disorientation before we can have reorientation. But we know that the Spirit is leading us through change. We are not alone in change, but God is with us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even in the midst of a lot of change, we don't have to be afraid or anxious because God has always been with his people through change, just as he was at the end of the first century. So then my question this morning is, what is God up to? And I want to offer you three observations of what God is up to today. Here's the first one. Today, mission is from everywhere to everywhere. That's different than the old paradigm when we, you know, found people who were called into missions and sent them out to a place. No, now mission is from everywhere to everywhere. And the great example, of course, is Nasser and Sylvie. Because in their Farsi Fellowship ministry based in Toronto, they have connections all over the world. And so we are having to adapt to a world where God is bringing people from all over the place and mixing people together. And God is calling leaders with special gifts into these ministries from these different ethnic minority and diaspora communities, using things like the internet, social media, Telegram is very popular, I discovered, in the Persian community. I don't use Telegram, but it's very popular. And you can have channels in Telegram where you can have a channel for, for seekers, for new believers, for advanced Christian discipleship, and you can do all that on Telegram. The Farsi-speaking community also started an internet radio station. They did that with a grant. We have innovation experiment grants with Resonate. And they ran that radio for a while, although they discovered it was more challenging than, than, they, than they realized. They really need a studio, so they're waiting to revamp that ministry. The, the, the Farsi speakers were like huddled in closets with sheets over their heads trying to dampen the noise to make their recordings. They realized, we need a studio. So they're working on that. But these are all ways that they can share the gospel, the good news among Persians. And we know that many, many Persians are coming to know Jesus Christ right now. And just as is evident in Luke chapter 10, it all comes down to relationships. It's loving, caring relationships, which we see in, in their ministry. Nasser has a ministry to newcomers. When they come to Canada, they befriend them. Nasser takes them fishing. He's very good at catching salmon, apparently. So he has an automatic connection to people who are new to Canada. And then they often help them through the whole immigration hearing process, which is a big deal for refugees. And Jesus says to the disciples in Luke chapter 10, don't take a purse, don't take a bag, 
Don't take, a, don't take your sandals. When you enter the house, greet the house with peace. Stay eating and drinking. Jesus wants his disciples to be in relationship with others. That's how ministry continues. Enter into relationships and love people and listen to them. That's what it's all about. Really listen to them. Find out what their needs are to understand their journey. So often, we have had the approach that we're going to do something for you. And here's our agenda. At least that's been my experience in missions. So rarely have we sat down and listened to people and said, what do you need? What can we do for you? Tell us your perspective. Often a perspective that is disempowered, marginalized. So that's something that we're working at. We're working at really listening. In this approach, we don't objectify people. And I've been guilty of that too. The missiologist Leslie Newbegin cautions us to avoid making people into a category for our evangelistic strategies. We have done that. Instead, we have to be like a family around a table. In relationship, listening together to the voice of God, discerning where the Spirit is leading God's church today. You know, there were programs in the past, evangelism programs, that were effective, but they don't work today. They are no longer what the church needs. What we need is leaders like Nasser and Sylvie helping us to understand, to use the gifts that they have, to learn this new language of mission so that we keep in step with the spirit of God today. That's the first observation. Second observation is that God is doing something unique among Muslim people groups. And it just so happens that the Persian community of converts has a Muslim background. Now they will say themselves, often they were not active Muslims when they decided to follow Jesus. But they did grow up in a Muslim culture, and that affects them to this day. You know, David Garrison, in his book, A Wind in the House of Islam, talks about movements of people among Muslim people groups in the world to Christianity. And the way he describes movements of people is a thousand baptisms or 100 churches. That was his criteria. And he said that up until the 20th century, very few Muslims were becoming Christians. There were a few isolated examples like the Kabyle Berber Berbers in North Africa, like Morocco and Algeria area. And then in Indonesia in 1965, there were some people group movements to Christ. Bangladesh is another fertile area for people group movements. We don't totally understand God's timing, but it is clear that God is doing something in our world today. We don't also know why, although certainly geopolitical events have contributed to it, the fall of the Iron Curtain, the revolution in Iran, and then other contributions have been Bible translation, the Jesus film, Sat7, satellite television, many factors. But I think also is this new model that's developed that's much more focused on context and culture and relationship as opposed to Western domination. 
Alan Roxborough explains that often Christian missions in the past have been more about power and privilege and authority as opposed to respecting the other and their ways. God's kingdom was shaped through the West and the Western worldview. And in fact, I remember when I was a missionary in Africa, I had a colleague who said to me, true story, I am bringing the good news of Jesus and American culture to our African neighbors. I'll never forget that. He meant well. He meant well. But that's not Luke 10. That's not the passage that we just heard from Scripture. As much as my missionary friend's approach was heartfelt and patriotic, it wasn't biblical. When we leave our agenda behind and we place ourselves in the place of a guest, putting ourselves at the mercy of a host, that makes all the difference. Then God can work. Then we are putting ourselves in the position of a disciple in Luke chapter 10, putting ourselves in a vulnerable place among other people who we don't know. But that is what God calls us to do, to be a guest and to have that language for being a guest. You know, the, Indi the Indo-European root for the English word hospitality is ghosty, G-H-O-S-T-I, which is where we not only get the word hospitality, we also get the word hostility. You see, hospitality and hostility are very closely connected to each other. And Henry Nouwen says, hospitality brings enemies, or those we don't know, hostile, into friendship. That's what hospitality does. And so often this happens when there is a person of peace, a bridging person who can help navigate into those new cultures and new ways of thinking and new worldviews. And such a person is really important, like Nasser and Sylvie who are bridgers between the Farsi speakers and the English speakers, who help us to understand what it's like to have had to travel from Iran, sometimes to a refugee camp in Turkey, to come to Canada, and then to go through an immigration hearing process where you have to prove that you are indeed a refugee and worthy of protection in Canada. What is that like? And then this past year, we had an opportunity to learn about Nowruz. So Nowruz is the Iranian New Year festival that happens in the spring, spring solstice, I guess. And uh, we had an opportunity to go to a Nowruz celebration, and it was a really amazing experience. For example, when you sit down, I was thinking maybe like shish kebab or something. No, I had a whole fish. That's part of Nowruz. You get a whole fish, head and tail and everything sitting there. And then it's often on top of green rice. That's part of their festivities. And people were coming and going and greeting each other. And it all happened because there were people of peace, cultural bridges who could help us understand the celebration and also help to contextualize it for a Christian population because this was at, you know, at the Pharisee Fellowship, the Christian place. And how do we contextualize that as Christians? That's something that Nasser and Sylvia have had a key role in doing at Willowdale. 
And then recently they held a picnic and we went to that picnic. We brought our grandchildren with us and I was a little nervous because I have a teaching role at Willowdale once a month. So they, you know, they see me as one of the pastors in the church. So was I mixing business with pleasure? Well, I thought, you know, let's do it. So Natalie and I took our grandkids to the Farsi Fellowship picnic. And in the end, we had a wonderful time. We sat by the teapot. They were making tea all day with charcoal. And you actually have to put a sugar cube between your teeth and you drink the tea, we learned. And then when it was time to go at the end, we were looking for our grandson, Joseph. He was gone. He didn't even want to leave. He was playing dodgeball in a big, huge circle with the Farsi speakers. So it turned out to be a wonderful time. So welcoming. So wonderful to see people from a former Muslim background together as a Christian community, worshiping God together. But it's only possible through people of peace. So let's, let's make that my third observation, that God works through people of peace in every context. And so we always should be on the lookout for people of peace. Another example, I changed the name because of the sensitive nature of this ministry, and another uh, innovation grant through Resonate is Richard, who was hoping his brother would come. He's planted a church in West Michigan. He was hoping his brother would come and plant a church in Detroit among Albanians. It didn't work out for his brother to come. So Richard started traveling out once a week to uh, Detroit and discipling three leaders, Albanian leaders, so they could start house churches in Detroit among the Albanian community. That's an example of a person of peace, a bridger of cultures. And of course we know that peace doesn't just mean an absence of conflict. The biblical word shalom from the Jewish worldview means so much more, right? It means the kingdom of God is breaking in. For the people of Jesus' time under Roman domination, it gave, gave hope that God's jubilee was at hand. Jubilee, that ultimate restoration fulfilled by the Messiah. So, of course, today we know it means flourishing in the land, the new land of Canada for so many, or the United States, as the case may be. It means not having to do with famine and war and even pandemic, but that God is working to bring healing and wholeness. One Willowdale service, I was moved by the testimonies of the Farsi speakers because they had so many answers to prayer, and they believed so fervently that God would answer. That's God's presence in a hurting world. God is with us. The disciples were called to heal the sick in Jesus' name. God continues to heal the sick. God continues to bring human flourishing in the midst of much pain and brokenness, as we know. So we do not give up. We have hope. Jesus on the cross took our sin, our sickness, our brokenness. And the defeat of the enemy is assured, even though, again, sometimes we struggle. God's jubilee is upon us. And so people of peace are so important to what we do at Resonate. It's really our role as missionaries, as pastors, as Christian leaders. And my role with Resonate is very much to support and coach 
and help develop such leaders. And we all have this role, really, as God's church today, as the Christian Reform Church, to be hosts, sometimes guests, with others, other communities. And one of the ways that I've seen people welcomed at Willowdale is through Eucharistic hospitality. Because at a certain point, before the first Iranians came to the church, the pastor at the time had this Emmaus Road vision. And he felt like the church had to prepare for changes to come. And so they instituted a weekly Lord's Supper. And in my research, I discovered that actually John Calvin wanted weekly Lord's Supper, but the Council in Geneva overruled him. But the weekly Lord's Supper has been a wonderful opportunity to welcome these new uh, Farsi-speaking members of the church into God's story in a way that transcends language, that's very physical and embodied. And that's been a big part of the welcome at the church. Certainly when Jesus appointed the 72, they didn't know what to expect. We always don't know what to expect. That's part of being open to God's new ways, right, of innovation in our world today as the Spirit leads us. But we have to have eyes to see it. How is God working in your context in ways that might surprise you, in ways that might confuse you? Where are you wondering about what God is doing? And how is God challenging you in the world today as his disciple? Those are the questions we need to be asking as God's people. We know we can't do these things in our own power because the world is too unpredictable and there is so much change. We have to depend on God, prayerfully discerning God's work in our world today. And we know God is at work. That's why Jesus says in our passage, if you are welcome, stay. Don't move around. Remain in one place and be faithful to the ministry God has given you. Pursue it. Follow it. Follow God's leading. Maybe we won't see the fruit of our labors right away. Maybe there will be times that are discouraging, but God will encourage us. Maybe we will have to move on, as Jesus says. Wipe the dust off your feet. Try something new. Keep going. Have faith. God is at work. Because when you connect with people on a relational level, something special happens. God's kingdom has come near, it says in Luke chapter 10. We have experienced God's presence and that is sweet. So finally, Roxborough asked the question, what if the period we are in is another one of those times when the boundary-breaking spirit is pushing apart, pushing apart our settled, managed, and controlled ecclesiologies that came out of this very specific time in European history? What if this is a time of change? when God is making all things new. How can we align ourselves with what God is doing? And how can we prepare for that? Diaspora Ministries is an example. And so what I want to again ask you this morning is to remember Sylvie Nasser, Spiritual Growth Ministries is the name of their ministry, the Farsi Fellowship at Willowdale. Remember Richard with the Albanians in Detroit. Remember Steve Frieswick with the Somalis. 
And we also have Chinese diaspora ministries, African diaspora ministries, Latino diaspora ministries. God is doing so much today. So let's first of all be aware. Let's second of all pray. And then finally, let's be open to how God is working in our context and our communities. Because God is doing amazing things in the world today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you are working. Lord, I confess sometimes I am overwhelmed with the change that is happening in our church, in the world, in missions. Lord, we also know that you are in charge, that you are Lord, you are King. So lead us as your people. Give us courage and strength. Help us to worship you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.